You're listening to an American Theatre podcast. American Theatre is a publication of Theatre Communications Group, www.americantheatre.org. Hello and welcome to Offscript. My name is Calendra Smith and I'm the managing editor of American Theatre magazine. Uh, here from the traditional land of the Muscogee Creek, and I'm joined by our Chicago associate editor. Um, my name is Gabriela Furtado Coaching. I'm the Chicago associate editor, as well as an actor and playwright. I use she/her pronouns, and I'm zooming in from the unceded territories of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Odawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations. I always like to encourage us to form a relationship with these local nations and for us to learn more um, individually. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. And happy Black History Month to all who celebrate. Um, we are going to jump right in because February has been a full month for theater news. Um, we want to start by acknowledging two generous giant talents of the theater who left us this month, Cheetah Rivera and Hinton Battle. Um, K.O., also known as Karen Olivo, penned an in memoriam to Cheetah Rivera, reflecting on the role of Anita in West Side Story. So please be sure to visit the American Theater website to read that very moving um, that very moving piece. And then Dorothy Marsick is writing a dedication to three-time Tony Award winner Hinton Battle, who starred in shows such as Sophisticated Ladies, and that will be up on the site later this month. So be sure to look for that. Now, Gabriella, I want to turn it over to you because there's been lots happening in the Chicagoland area. Give us a rundown of some of the things that people should be looking out for this month. Yeah, so much has been going on. So in entrances and exits news, longtime Goodman Theater executive director and CEO Ross Schulfer is headed into retirement at the end of the season. Congo Square executive director Charlique C. Roll leaves her role effective March 1st. Uh, JRP sat back with her in September for a Q&A. That was really, really beautiful. Within American theater, our winter print issue is reaching mailboxes. If you're in the Chicago or New York area, you can snag your very own copy at the Understudy or Drama Bookshop. And if you're subscribed to TCG, you'll get that in your mail. Speaking of the understudy, they've just produced their first full show with new work, The Best Damn Thing, which we covered back in January. Highway Patrol has opened at the Goodman, and Emily McLenathan took a closer look for us. Uh, our Chicago uh, editor, J.R. Pierce, just covered Katie Sullivan's momentous performance as Richard III at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, directed by new artistic director Edward Hall. I highly recommend you check that out, and if you're in the area, definitely take a look. Outside Chicago news, take a look at this report from uh, Brazil, my native homeland, uh, in which we investigate some of the changes, not only post-pandemic, but with the new government administration. Lots going on in Chicago and beyond. Thank you so much for that rundown, Gabriella. Um, and I will say that the Brazil piece is one of my favorite pieces um, that we've uh, had on the site in a long time. It's really, really great. So thank you so much for that. Um, this month, I also just want to tell folks that we brought back the NOAA theater feature. So we kicked that off with Charleston's Pure Theater. So be sure to look out for NOAA theater coming back this year. 
Uh, we also have shared a preview of I Am Delivered by Jonathan Norton, which is having its premiere at Dallas Theater Center right now. And we'll also have a production at Actors Theater of Louisville this summer, directed by Robert Barry Fleming. Um, and we also published a preview of Warrior Sisters of Woo, which is at Pan-Asian Rep, new fierce woman-powered play based on the Chinese epic Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I will say I had an opportunity to read the script and it is phenomenal. So be sure to become a TCG member if you aren't already to get access to all these great stories because both of them appeared in the print magazine first. All right. Gabriella, we know what they're all here for. <laughs> Everybody is waiting on pins and needles because we have such a delightful episode of Offscript for you all today. Speaking of new plays, okay, that is what this episode is all about. We're going to be talking to three talented playwright, multi-hyphenate artists about new play development. Um, so I'm just going to start introducing the names because you already know them though. First, we have A.K. Payne, whose play, Furlough's Paradise, is receiving its world premiere at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta through March 3rd. This play, I had an opportunity to see, and I will say I've never seen anything like it. We're going to talk about it a bit more uh, later in the show. And their play, Love I Owetu Further, is a current finalist for the Susan Smith Blackburn Prize. So we're happy to have A.K. Payne on with us today. And next, we also are going to have Madhuri Shekhar, no stranger to the page, pages of American theater, known for her plays Queen in Love and Warcraft, as well as the Audible original, um, the, the Audible original Evil Eye. And her play, A Nice Indian Boy, has been adapted into a film that will premiere at South by Southwest this year on March 12th. So if you are in Austin, Texas, get there. And then finally, we are so grateful to have the incomparable Terrell Alvin McCraney, who is the new artistic director at the Geffen Playhouse and also a longtime professor at Yale. If you have not heard his name, I don't know where you've been, but his play in Moonlight Black Boys Look Blue was adapted into the Academy Award-winning film Moonlight. And the thing that all of these writers have in common is that they won the Candida Graduate Playwriting Competition at the Alliance Theater, which offers a student in a playwriting MFA program a world premiere on the theater's second stage, which is called The Hertz. The Candida turns 20 this year. And so we're going to spend some time over the next half hour or so talking to these talented storytellers about new play development. Welcome all of you to Offscript. Please come on in. Wonderful to see you. Thank you all so much. That was a very nice backstage area. It was like a decorated hotel. <laughs> yes, we like a good green room. All right, so we're just going to jump right in. AK, since you are this year's Candida winner, I want to start with you because Furlough's Paradise is about two cousins who grew up on the same street but have lived very different lives. And I want to know, when it came to, comes to the play you started with versus the play that I had the pleasure of seeing a couple of weeks ago, tell me what you learned about your play as a result of this Candida process that you didn't know before you went into it? Yeah, thank you so much for that question. And I'm so excited to be here with uh, with with these two incredible playwrights. And yeah, I'm just really thrilled. Um, 
the 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 process of furloughs uh when I first started it I didn't know um I didn't know what it was gonna like what the shape was gonna be it sort of just like came from just thinking about um like what intimate space would feel like with these two characters who are grieving um in really intense ways um and so when we went into Candetta I was thinking a lot about like the uh the 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 sequence in the middle of the play where the characters are kind of wrestling with um what what how do we say things that we can't necessarily speak like how do we how do we what what is the way that like um language fails us in being able to articulate uh the the, the wounds that are like deepest on our psyches and then I think like this process really allowed me to get into the weeds with that in a really um, beautiful way uh, with the, the line producer, Amanda Watkins, uh, who's also a choreographer and our movement consultant, uh, Julie Johnson from Spellman. Um, we just had such an incredible room that was super activated uh, around those particular moments that I didn't like expect. And I think like when I started the play, um, I was still discovering what, what do these characters not say and how does that contribute to um to the world of the story um and I, I feel like I had the opportunity to flesh that out really deeply in this process in a really beautiful way that's brilliant I love what you said about what's also not said and that's something also that I think you discover a lot in the room right with the actors and everything um let's broaden the conversation and hear a little bit about the candida process across the years. So Maturi, in 2013, you won for your play in Love and Warcraft, and Terrell, you won for The Extraordinary in the Red and Brown Water, um, which I've had the pleasure of seeing in person. What lessons have you learned from that? Did you learn from that development process that have stayed with you since then? I was I was just saying, um, um, I'm very grateful that the Candida contest essentially gave me my first professional production because it set the bar for but all of my other um, theatrical productions should be like uh, when you're green and you're just starting out, you don't necessarily know what it is to be the playwright in the room. You don't necessarily know what it's like to form good working relationships with other artists in a rehearsal room. You don't know so much. And the Candida really takes the pro I, I felt that the Alliance Theater really took it very seriously that responsibility to kind of welcome in a new playwright and help them experience their first professional production um teaching them like I really learned so much about how to um respect myself and how to respect the other artists in the room uh Laura Kepley who was my director taught me so much about what a good director does how the relationship should feel like how the artist uh, the actors should feel when when in their in their rehearsal room you know so because of the very high standard that I experienced I knew not to put up with nonsense uh after that <laughs> um and frequently whenever uh colleagues you know other playwrights at you know on my in my peer group would sometimes complain about or like just in in passing mention something that was happening with the production or a development process or an artist that they were working with and I would be like that's totally wrong that's not how it should be and I would get to tell them this is how it should actually be and the only reason I knew that is because the candida process taught me that so I feel like it really protected me in many ways it kind of future-proofed me um and for that I'm I'm really thankful Terrell, you want to add anything to that? No, not 
No. I mean, I think I think it's no. I mean, listen, one of the things that the Candida taught me is that, um, you know, less is more. And you when someone is speaking the truth, you move out of the way. Um, and that's that is a it is a foundational. All I can do is affirm that it's a foundational lesson for early playwright to learn, um, because so often we don't hear the truth. So we spend a lot of time sort of running around trying to say things and trying to, you know, make ourselves feel better about this situation that we know isn't right, that we know isn't actually um, at the root of what we're trying to create. Um, and, you know, I can I think I can affirm that more by anecdote than than anything else, which is, you know, when Red and Brown Water, which is a play that I wrote in, a, I, I wrote it. I don't remember writing it. I'm a very conscious person in terms of writing. I normally know when I'm writing a thing and know when I'm like, I can I can tell you where I was when I'm clocking the moments of, of charting the thing. And Red and Brown was a play while I was in grad school. I wrote um, in a summer, uh, summer at Balliol and Oxford College, I had uh, sleep deprivation from the jet lag. I'd never traveled um, that far, that fast. Um, and so I was at Balliol College at uh, the BADA program and I had, I had ambient from my uh, therapist who was like, hey, you have trouble sleeping, you should take these. And I was taking it and I ended up one morning in the courtyard um, of Balliol College and I don't know how I got there. And I, I, real, I later found out that ambient allows you to sleepwalk <laughs> or helps or some of the side effects are that you sleepwalk. Um, and, and so I stopped taking it, which meant that I stopped sleeping. And so, um, at one morning, I just woke up and I had a play. And so I think I also was sleep writing. Um, and I had about 40 to 45 pages of this play about Oya um, that was a mer that uh, somehow had connected to Yerma. And I finished the play before I got back on the plane and went to um, and came back to the States. And that, you know, plus or minus, that has been the structure of that play for the 10 to 15 years that it's been written. It has not changed very much. Lines here and there, but the structure of the play has not shifted. Um, and that's just not true of anything else I've written, uh, even Brother Size, which is the play that came before it. Um, and so one of the things that was imperative is when I sent it to the Candida uh, project, I was like, okay, look, I'm probably not going to win because here is this poetic play that everybody keeps going, what is this form? What is What is this? And I kept going, I don't know. I don't know. I I know what I, I feel it better than I can explain it. Um, and um, I will never forget that um, well, I was supposed to go to the O'Neill, the, a part of the Candida Award back then was that you got, I think, two weeks at the O'Neill in the, the summer before your production. And so I was supposed to go and workshop in the red and brown water. And I said, no. Um, I was like, if you want to workshop wig out, we can do that. That always needs help. It's a big drag show, so I need all the help I can get. But I, I red and brown doesn't need a workshop. It needs a production. Um, and if you do, if that disqualifies me from the award, that's fine. But I don't, I don't want to do it. And I remember Susan Susan Booth and Salisa Kalki at the time saying, "No, if you if that's what you believe, then that's what's going to happen." And the amount of times that that has not been the case in my career would astonish you. <laughs> that someone yeah, just, I, I trust your instinct. I know what you're talking about. You know what you're talking about. We're going to do that thing. 
I, I just wanted to add like, yeah, the best thing about the Candida development process is that it comes with a production, which is the most useful part of the development process, you know? Um, many times you just don't know if a, what to do until it's actually real. So, yeah. Yeah, nothing will train you. I mean, again, and there are moments where I definitely know something does not need a production, right? There are certainly moments that I, I can look, but sometimes the pull of this is going to be in front of an audience and engage in the live moment pulls the play into a position where it learns itself. It will, the its instincts will start to come up. Um, and, and that, and, and I felt that for red and Brown and they, and they agreed. I also just want to give a shout out to the fact that, that from, I mean, it may sound like her hyperbole, what we're talking about in terms of this being a, a cornerstone, but to this day, the collaborators that I work with the most are the people I worked with at the Candida on red and Brown, Tina Landau, Andre Holland, Cara Patterson, John Michael Hill, um, uh, Roderick Covington, uh, you name it, you know, uh, it just, those folks are in my orbit all the time. I, Andre was just here last night at the opening of Black Cypress Bayou here at the Geffen. Um, and and uh, he and Sterling, uh, who I met on another production of Red and Brown, be, uh, have gave their support for that play at our theater. So these are like, these are my day ones. I'm on, you know, I'm an ensemble member at Steppenwolf with Tina. Um, because of that moment at the Candida. Thank you so much for that. There's so much good stuff in what you all said about, you know, relationships and and not getting stuck in what I call development purgatory, um, which so often happens to playwriters, playwrights from underrepresented groups. Uh, but that is that is a separate conversation. Um, but what I do <laughs> want to follow up with asking is, you know, We've heard so much, and you were both getting at this in your answers about the new play development process. Like we've heard horror stories, and we've also heard about instances when people feel like really nurtured and cared for. I want to know from each of you, what are like your essential ingredients for a good new play development process? Like what must be present? Like if we're making pound cake, if you have two cups of sugar and not three is nasty. So like, you know, what are your essential ingredients? Um, I think, and yeah, just echoing the, the sentiment of like, just being believed in and, and being advocated for as a new artist and like what power that has. I think that's like such an incredible thing. I think in this last process, and I'm, I'm still actively journaling about it, reflecting on it because it just closed last week or just opened last week. Um, but I think there's something really stunning about being able to be, um, to like, to be trusted and to be believed in, in terms of like, what is the vision that you have for this piece? And like having people like really truly invest in that and uh, advocate for that and 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 push that to the forefront. Um, and I think that one of the biggest ingredients that really shapes the process that we just had was sort of around, um, was around trust and around having a mutual understanding where it was like, even if there were moments where you know, we 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 had a, a, a difference in, in in ideas or or thoughts around a particular moment. It was always like we're we're trusting each other towards a path of this play. Uh, we we understand a story and we're walking together in telling that story. And I think that that's like one of my favorite things with collaborators that I've worked with. It's like 
almost that we have a shared language and, and it's not always immediate but it's something that like is built over time of like how do we talk about these characters how do we talk about this world um and really with a bedrock or foundation of trust and community i think that's like the core of all the processes that i've loved is like a, a capacity to really witness each other and a capacity to like um trust and see how our our visions intersect and combine and and dance with each other across the process yeah i think like truth and trust not uh you know it's very abstract but it's truth and trust um even you invest uh in an artist you invest in an artist and uh, you trust them and um you do your best but like if if it doesn't work out that's okay the point of it is to trust the artist you know and then you'll move on and you'll do something else i'm just talking to the producers out there um it's also random but like i think for it's essential for a new play process for the playwright to be in the room <laughs> which is you know not always a given but a playwright needs to be in the room and uh i don't know just as we were talking about it i was like yeah that's not always you know especially now we have zoom and everything but like i think a playwright needs to be in the room and uh it just made me think of the article that uh you guys published um about can we start paying playing playwrights for their labor in the room and i think that is also important um, because there's a tremendous amount of work that goes on uh, in the rehearsal room before a world premiere. And um, it's invaluable. It's wonderful when you're with people that you trust, when you're with truth, truth tellers, it's uh, it's transcendent. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I would say are, uh, are essential. Yeah, I just want to drill down on that for a second, but because I don't know that I, I don't know that I've ever thought of it as essential just yet. But yeah, I think it, I I don't think yeah. Before you said that, and I'm speaking in draft, I, I I absolutely hadn't hadn't even recounted how much of the work is actually done when I'm sitting in front of it, going, oh, s word, that's not working, right? <laughs> like that's actually not working, and or the times that I've literally gotten up and been in front of a cast and, and company and been like, hey, can I read y'all this new passage just out loud? So you hear how I think it sounds and then you can tell me where I'm losing my, like the amount the amount of turnover that needs to happen, the amount of, oh, I need to write this in these days because I know these, act like there is so much labor that happens there. And I think um, it's wild to me that I never, I because it's so fun, they've tricked me for years for thinking that that should come for free. That's how they get us. Yeah, yeah, because that's so <laughs> joyous and delicious and like the the part of the part of the work. Um, but then to your point, what happens when I'm not there? What happens when you're not there to say, oh no, that's supposed to be a joke? What happens when and and then you know the play the play is, the play suffers in 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 mighty ways. Um, when it's in front of folks and then you have to say, well, I wasn't even there to help or or to to do the work, right? Not just to sit around and play, which is what I think folks think we do. Um, um, but yeah, I, yeah, you you made me, I had done, I had done, ran off into another corner. I think for, I really, it, these days I have, I have at least bifurcated myself to say, if it's if I just need to do the work, like if I just need to work at bedrock, I just need you to be honest about what you like what we're doing. <laughs> like, am I here? Am I here to do like what are we here to do? Are we here to get butts in seats? 
Are we here to like, what are we actually coming together to do so that we can all be clear on that? And so that's a level of honesty that I think folks will um, chuck and drive around. And I just need them to say it. I just need you to be like in any collaboration. I just kind of need to know what we're up to so I can at least say yes or no to it. Right. Um, but the nutritious and uh, beautiful sort of grounding work that my colleagues have just said uh, are are essential. Those are absolutely essential for for the work to be um, uh, fruitful. Again, not for it to be a success in terms of commercial or box office. Like that's not even the the point. I've had many processes where I've had trust, honesty, second, you know, talking to collaborators that I get along with, and I'm like, ooh, y'all know we made a mess. <laughs> Great a mess. This was fun though, right? I've learned so much. Thanks so much, guys. We're out of here, you know? That's it, folks. And that can be, that's still equally rewarding. I still walk away from those moments full and able to do more profound work, even if it doesn't work. Um, and as artists who are, you know, God scientists um, or the scientists of the human experience, we, you know, we we sometimes, the experiment doesn't go go right. You still learn a lot. And and to do that, you still need that essential trust and the guidance to know that you are going in the same, or at least trying to go in the same direction. Yeah, one one of the best pieces of advice actually I got from Laura Kepley in my Candida uh, uh, experience, uh, just before opening, I told her I was nervous about reviews. And she said, well, now I'm the AD of Cleveland Playhouse, I have to read the reviews. But before that, I don't. I didn't read the reviews. The way I know that if a production is a success is if I feel like me and my collaborators had a very rewarding time, which is what Terrell just said. Like we felt like we, um, everyone, you know, everyone felt valued and respected in the room. Everyone had the freedom to make uh, choices. We all had a good time. Uh, we all we're all leaving with really strong relationships with each other. That is how I determine whether a production is a success or not. Um, reviews don't really matter that much when you're in this particular position of an artist making the work like you need to choose what you actually focus on that advice changed changed everything for me and I think about it all the time yeah that's incredibly so gems no go ahead go ahead Gabriella. <laughs> we're just both gonna gush together thank you so much for that yeah, there's definitely something to be said about being able to fail together. And I mean, you know, Terrell, you mentioned like, we're not just playing. It's like, but we are also playing, you know, and that is that is the work. And I think that's feels very, very important because especially today, we're in a very ever changing world, a fastly changing world, and we need new stories to respond to our moment. I've been so curious seeing, you know, plays that have been written pre-pandemic now be produced and things have new resonance, you know, each time they get produced. You've all seen your plays around the country at different moments in this country's chaotic past few years. I'm very curious in this particular moment, is there a work, either yours or someone else's, that you're eager to see more folks produce and that you feel has a deeper resonance today? Merlot's Paradise. Can't wait for everybody to see this play. I loved it. I was talking to somebody last night. I was like, I was like, no, no, you have to understand <laughs> this play is so good. Um, and full disclosure, AK was one of my students. So uh I, I maybe 
I may be biased, but um, I don't know. I love that play. <laughs> I love that play. I love it so much. I can't wait for us to do it. Can't wait for it to see other productions of it. I can't for, wait for it to go to the to you know the UK and to South Africa. I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Um, and I think because of the way it talks about grief in a way that I find as a person who is always grieving, sort of, I feel like my entire lifespan has been grieving. Um, I I find it a fresh way for me to engage without sort of, I walk away with so much hope, which is wild. Um, and that's, it's, it's really stunning. I also um, can sit and watch What to Send Up by Alicia Harris. I mean, I can go to that. I can go to that event every every night because, again, I have just so much to pour out. Um, but that was one of those experiences that I was just like, wow. Um, and and of course, Pearly Victorious will be doing a lapse around the country for the next um, 50 years. So we're, I'm grateful for that as well. I'll chime in and say... Uh... I am one of those people who has a back, one of those pesky people who has a background in theater criticism. Um, and I have no reason to be biased, but I enjoyed AK's play very much. And I agree with the points you make about grief, as well as uh, getting into the generational, not even generational differences, but like the fa familial relationships of like getting at that idea of survival, survivor's remorse um, so, so well. Um, so I just chime in there. Maduri, go ahead. Say what you were gonna say. <laughs> oh, um, sorry. The question was, which one of our plays do do we want produced? Either your play or someone else's play oh that gives me resonance today that you want to see folks produce. Okay. Well, uh, I saw one of the most beautiful plays I've ever seen. That's that I'll be thinking about forever. That is impossible to produce multiple times. So I'm challenging the world to do the impossible. Um, it's Misha Chowdhury's play that's running right now in New York. Why am I forgetting the name? <laughs> Sorry, I just, I literally posted about it on Facebook. I loved it so much. Uh, Shayuk Misha Chowdhury's play. Uh, it's half in Bengali, half in English. It's set in Kolkata. It's three hours long. It's an unbelievably naturalistic, beautiful, like incredible design. Such a sweet, um, story of of coming home and not being able to come home, um, an incredible exploration of of queer subcultures in Kolkata and queer subcultures from an American perspective. Uh, I love this play so much. I can't believe it exists. When I saw it, I could not believe it exists. And not only that does it exist, but it got produced twice in New York. So I I hope it keeps getting produced. I hope these incredible bilingual artists um get to tour the country doing it so that's what i will shout out and uh please excuse me while i google the name i'm so embarrassed i'll be right back is it public as obscenities yeah it's public obscenities god okay sorry misha <laughs> oh no my students went and saw it they said it was amazing it's so good it's so good i'll share um there's a play that i've like been obsessed with for a while. Um, it's by Daima Mubashashir called Immeasurable Warmth of Light. And yeah, I just like thought about that place so much over the last couple of years. And then I also want to highlight, I think so much about like how people create in community and create like in relation to each other. And my time at in, in drama school was just like some of the most incredible artists and collaborators that I can 
imagine in the world and just like I just lift up their work so my cohort was Rudy Goblin and Esperanza Rosales Valcreso um, and they are just some of my favorite writers and artists and I I think so much about how we just like just how what a gift it was to create in tandem with each other and to like be thinking about we both we all have this like interest in um in 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 the body and its relationship to language and the text and I, I just was so grateful to learn from and with them so that I would highlight them and then also everyone who's uh, Danielle Stagger and and Doug Robinson and just everyone who's still there right now and Stephanie Quo um, so just like everybody who was there when I was there we just were had a great time <laughs> and I think Terrell is 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 a is a big part of that so thank you for your mentorship and leadership Terrell. Thank you all so much for those beautiful answers. And I, I second and third many, many of those plays. I, you know, thinking about new plays, one of the things I want to ask you about, and this may be our closing question, is, you know, coming out of the pandemic, what we've seen a lot of, though, is a lot of major regional theaters becoming kind of new play development averse, you know, kind of opting for um, more quote unquote canonical or classic um, works that may feel safer, uh, so to speak. But I just want to hear from each of you, you know, why, why is now the time from your perspective to really double down on taking a chance on new work? Because I think it's something, I mean, I have, I know my, my own reasons for believing why we should do these things, but I want to hear from you all, you know, why is now the time where we must double down on investment in new voices? It kind of makes me sad to hear that that's actually the the reality of what's happening now. I'm sure you know it much better than than I would as as just somebody who's like clacking away. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know from my perspective. It, it's always been a problem <laughs> with all art in America. If it is not if it doesn't neatly slot into our capitalist system, it's it's pushing boulders to make happen. Um, I think the, I don't want to tell theaters what to do. I think theaters should, I think every theater is its own community and they will decide what is best for their community. And I, just like I ask theaters to trust in artists, I want to trust in them, let them do what they want. We will find our people. We will find the theaters who want to produce our, our work because they believe that our work is right for their communities. Um, I, I don't know. I, I love, I love new plays. I'm in a couple of writers' rooms right now uh, of different playwrights. I'm so excited. I'm so excited by the pages that we bring in every week. It, it's truly bonkers. Some of the some of the work that my 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 peers are doing in the best ways. Um, I don't. I I think theater will always survive. We will figure it out. It will never be as good as we want it to be. <laughs> but that's just who we are as a human race. We will we will keep working to make things better. Anyway, that's that's just what I think. Yeah, I, I think a lot about like plays and the 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 way that, that that there's so many plays that I see that I love are the ones that I leave the theater and I and I want to make something or, or I want to keep creating um, or I want to keep imagining. Um, and I feel like just the, the just, there's so many crises that are constantly uh, happening in our world and, and there's so much that I think new work 
Mm -hmm. Not all new work, but there are, that, that, that a lot of new work sort of positions us towards imagining an alternative future um, or imagining a, um, like, like how we might exist in a new way as opposed to continuing to repeat the patterns that, that, we've, that, we've, that we've done in the past. And so I'm really curious about, about how new work, and I think that's been a thing for, you know, I think we've always been at the edge of crisis uh, for lots of history and lots of time in different ways. Um, but I do think that this particular moment, as we think about like climate catastrophe and war and all the different things that are happening in our world right now, it does feel really imperative uh, to to nourish new voices, particularly voices that have historically like occupied the margins, um, and and that being something that um, will allow us to imagine blueprints for for worlds in which we are existing uh, in community rather than competition, um, and that being really important to how we how we think about world building. Yeah, I yeah, all of those things, <laughs> all of those things. I mean, I think the only the, the only thing I will try to add in a in a probably not as nuanced way is the idea um, or the idea of new of why it's important to do new work. Um, it is that is this thing about community and making sure that folks grow up together. Um, I think everybody, I, so when I look back and think about my experience um, as an artist for about 20 years and as a theater making artist, but um, I think I look around and go, oh, I have, I have, I do have cohorts. I have folks who I've worked with have a company. You know, if I gathered all the people in the room with me that I, that were like, you know, the people that I started with, the people that I worked with, the people who nourished my work and whose work I hope I helped nourish um that feels like a I feel like I have a crew and a community and I think it's important to make sure that there's a community of artists who are getting the chance to grow together and be together and and uh, make work and and then at a at a certain point a, a chance for them to run the place right mm -hmm. to move out of the way and and it's so um I don't know. That's I, again. I don't have the nuance to call that, but it's it, that's important. The founding of generations is important. We plant the seeds for tomorrow, right? And so the my job isn't to reap now. My job is to sow, mm -hmm. and then and and what will be uh, reaped are the folks who are growing with that soil, are growing in that soil. And I really, I really, I see that now. I see that now more than ever as a as an artistic director because I'm like, great. Yeah, my job is to hang around just a little longer until AK decides to run the place, right? Or you know what I mean? Like that's that's just what I'm I'm here to make sure that there's a path through to that, um, because it it will be, uh, it will be very important for for them to be in in conversation with or in dialogue with the the generation that they're with, um, and I the one thing that I always have felt is that there's, there's a generation above me uh, or that was before me. Um, a lot of, we lost a lot of those folks, the AIDS epidemic, the crack epidemic um, really destroyed a lot of theater artists, particularly black queer theater artists and, and sort of left. And, and even now I'm just picking up the shards of what that legacy was. Um, some of the voices that we, didn't have the pieces. I mean, I, to this day, I'm watching things like the play, um, the uh, ballet Vespers by Ulysses Dove and thinking, oh my God, what if he had choreographed a play? <laughs> what if he had like 
done like what if he what if he had had the chance to do those things and so um i think knowing that that legacy is so important it's it's been really thrilling to me to sort of to say hey here's what i did back then what are you going to do what would you like to do what's important to you all the conversation could be completely different but to make room for that and also to do it well i think a lot of problems have come about in in we had a sort of wild swing the other way. We went, all right, we're just going to do a lot of new work unsustainably. We're just going to put things in front of folks without a lot of rehearsal without and hope it sort of, you know, becomes a Broadway success. And it's like, well, how is that helpful for nurturing the generation? How is that helpful for giving people the time? And so, you know, I'm, I, I do know that there is a such thing as development pur uh, purgatory. I also know that there's a thing called rushing and and matchmaking and 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 um, gun sh shotgun weddings, right? Like you you all get together, you like each other. Here, have a play. And then, of course, the voices that are in the mainstream do well, and the voices of the marginalized folks that need more time, right? Because the institutions don't have the resources to underprop, you know, the stories that need to be told in that way. The bilingual artists that need to be uh, called on finding the proper trans artists to play the roles and sing the songs right finding the like that takes a minute and, and we know our artistic infrastructures are not built for that so why don't we just take the time to do it right the first time um anyway now i'm just rambling because yeah. i'm old but no no i just want i just i mean that is so important and i, I love hearing your perspective as an artist and now an artistic leader um uh i just uh i guess th this is a tricky question because so much of like how, how can we support new plays honestly the thing i think about is like universal healthcare right i feel like if whatever we talk about artistic problems in this little niche of theater i'm like um um we need uh we need good quality public education we need public universities we need universal health care we need to defund our military industrial complex that's what we need to do um and then theater will take care of itself honestly you know it's it's let us keep working to make theater better but we are also like citizens and i want to put our energy into things that matter and theater will take care of itself. We will always be artists. Art, art will always happen, and it will happen in a better world when we make a better world. And I don't know. It's 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 maybe no no it's no, no no. Don't back back from that. You spoke a word because we often think like no, you did because people will jump in your face and be like, how do we support new art? We have to give them money and commissions, and it's like we have to make sure that they can eat. Yeah. Yeah, we have to make sure like people uh, the other day I was like, oh, there folks were like, you're doing a lot of co-productions. I was like, yeah, because I want that artist to get the money from here, get the money from like if they've got a co-production in three theaters, that means that that that's a year's worth of salary for that artist. Mm -hmm. That artist can eat for a year and a half and maybe write some more work like eating, being healthy, living somewhere um getting rest and and like and rejuvenating are all a part of how we help new work so please don't back back you you spoke a word there you really did reproductive rights as well like that's the other thing like reproductive rights not not just abortion rights obviously but the right to have children too because i have two children and it's very hard in this country and child care yeah i used to talk about this all the time <laughs> we, and we're talking you know. about new play development I am at a stage in my life where I can't afford to go to new play development. I have two small children. So 
they're just, you know, let's make a better world and theater will take care of itself. I, I really believe that. Um, yeah. I just want to echo all of that. And like the, I, I, I think so much about like the kind of things that are possible we're able to create from a place that is well, or a place that is like oriented towards wholeness. Like there's so many more possibilities that come from that. Um, and just being able to, to, uh, to, to, to start a process from a place of like, of, of peace or of center, as opposed to from a place of like, of, of worrying about how you're going to go to a doctor's appointment or, or afford a, um, a, a, a thing that should be a basic, a, a, a thing that you have, a, a basic need. Um, so just naming and echoing all of that. Thank you all so much for your candor and your sharing um, your hearts and your thoughts there. Um, Gabriella, do you want to close us out? Yeah, oh my God, I wish we could spend hours speaking with you all. I think there's something to be said about, of course, you're all multi-hyphenates, but just what you were speaking to reminds me that we're all multi-hyphenates and that the human must always come first. The citizen also comes. And I'm just very, very grateful for this conversation. Um, of course, we want to respect your time. So I'll close out by just asking if there's any more dreams that you would like to leave us with. Another word on what your hope would be for an ideal process or just anything else that you're like, oh, I, I wish I could have jumped in and, and shared that as well. Um, I just, I really, I think so much about like space for artists of color and black artists to to experiment and to try things and to like make mistakes. And I, I think so often that like, there's this, there's a pressure to, um, to like that I felt to like make work intelligible or to make work that like um, that fits into a particular box or a structure and I'm so I'm so grateful for space to like just throw throw stuff against the wall and see and see what happens um, and I love Terrell what you mentioned about like writing something that like the form wasn't something that you've seen before and having a space for that to be nourished because I think so often that there's there's forms that we remember that we haven't that we they don't actually have the capacity to be taught yet because like they're they're ingrained in our bodies or in our memories or in like our ancestral spaces and so I'm curious about like how to create more room for people to experiment and to just play as opposed to following a particular like this is how you write a thing um so just naming that and more more spaces for that particularly for black and brown artists that would be amazing that's that's um and then speaking of like yeah play incubators i i had uh bringing it back to the candida i just want to like tell i want to give a challenge to all the other theaters out there like here's a, a financial model that the alliance theater has established that is successful for 20 years where they guarantee a production by a brand new untested playwright every year audiences come out they expect to see a show that is going to be unexpected and they are going to support it. Uh, the, the Alliance has invested in a long-term community building effort through the Candida and they have launched so many artists into the American theater landscape and uh, they're fine, they're doing fine. So I challenge all of their lords to see, can you do your own Candida? Can you help writers who are starting out? And can you do it for people who don't are not in MFA programs? Because we're very lucky that we were all in MFA programs, but let's let's look beyond that. So, uh, they did it. Just go copy it. I'm sure they'll be happy to share the blueprints. <laughs> I'm speaking on on their behalf. I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I I would be very surprised if they weren't willing to share. 
Yeah, one of the challenges I've given myself, which is God only knows if I'll be able to do it, is to provide a place of rest and um and celebration. Um, and I know that sounds wild and probably a little woo woo, but the the nervous systems of of all of us are all are inundated daily in ways that I keep thinking to myself, wow, if we had more rest, we'd probably create more. We'd probably, you know, we'd probably follow what Lorraine Hansberry said, which was sit a, sit a while and think, right? We'd probably have so much, we'd be so much more productive, quote unquote, um, whatever that word means for us, if we just had more real rest and rest that can be with folks um, and in community. And I, I really am looking at ways of like, how do I, you know, call on my colleagues to really, um, yeah, take us out of survival mode and put us into that imaginative space. It's so hard to imagine a new world when you're just trying to survive the one you're in um, and can't find any rest from it. So as an artist, I just think it's important as a leader in art, I think it's important that I try to provide some of that um, so that, you know, so that when we do come to, so that when we do get back to the battlefield, which we will have to, right, we'll be at least rested for it. It's a beautiful note to take us into the weekend. Thank you so much, A.K. Payne, Madhuri Shekhar, Terrell Alvin McCraney. It has been a pleasure having you on this episode of Offscript. For everybody listening and watching, remember that you can get a new episode of Offscript second Friday of each month live on all the social media outlets and podcast platforms, however you get your podcasts. Thank you all so much. This has been a gift. And we're encouraging everybody to go into the weekend doing what Trisha Hersey, who wrote Rest is Resistance, calls getting into the dream space, uh, getting into that generative uh, dream space. So uh, go forth and rest. <laughs> Thank you all so much. 